Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses and network churches. We are overjoyed, honestly, overjoyed and honored that you've decided to worship with us here today. We've been praying for you specifically to come and just are so grateful that you are with us. Really quick, before we continue on, the couple that will be sharing at this year's marriage event coming up in October, honestly, they are two of the greatest speakers I have ever heard. A couple of years ago, I had a chance to hear them at a conference. There were 60 thousand people in attendance. Every name possible in the church was speaking, and yet truly my favorite speakers of the conference were the Wolves. And so you will not want to miss this. If you are dating, engaged, married, honestly, if you are breathing, you do not want to miss this event. This is one of those nights where I honestly believe it's going to be something that afterwards it's like, why didn't we invite more people? And so I just want to challenge you, go get your tickets today. Get your tickets today. If you're looking for a way just to be a blessing, if you're a grand parent, buy it for your kids. If you have a sibling, buy it for them and their spouse, them and their significant others. Just buy tickets and come. It's going to be a powerful night. You will not want to miss again, though. We are thrilled that you are with us today. But moving ahead for today, right now we're in a series called Movies from the 80s. And so far we've covered the classics Back to the Future and E.T. And today we are moving ahead to uh, looking at a movie that pretty much gave me nightmares for roughly six months to a year. The movie Gremlin moms and dads maybe don't go home after church and watch this movie with your kids it's actually rated pg kind of a fun fact because of gremlins they actually came up with the pg-13 rating that's crazy right i have no idea why my parents let me watch this movie i'd have been like five six years old but i just remember being terrified okay and i've shared this before this is a safe place I might be scared of the dark, okay? And so as a kid, after watching this movie, I remember laying outside my parents' room. We had a hallway with the lights on, and I could not go into their room until it turned 7 a.m., and then I would go in and terrorize them. But even in college, sometimes I would sleep with a nightlight on. Other times I'd call my mom and ask her to pray for me as I slept. Actually, the college part is totally made up. Maybe. And so uh, anyways, again, though, I watched this movie and I was scared and I was scarred for life. And on that note, let's watch the only 45 seconds of this movie that we can show in church. So check this out. The love. Thanks, Dad. You're going to like this. What is it, a birdcage? No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. It won't wait till Christmas. It's a puppy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I can tell. It's a new car. Oh, honey, would you dim the lights, please? Sure. Dim the lights? Dad, what does it do, glow in the dark? It's important. Trust me. Oh, it's such a good movie. Go ahead, open it. your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. You're kidding. Dad, it's, it's really neat. Where did you get this? Oh, some little junk store in Chinatown. 
Can I pick him up, Dad? Sure, go ahead. Just be careful. So that scene isn't even meant to be scary, and yet I'm still scared, okay? So uh, just a quick summary of the movie Gremlins. As we saw, a dad buys his son, this pet magua, this gremlin named Gizmo. And Gizmo is the cutest thing ever, and he appears to be completely harmless. But hear this, even though he appears to be cute and harmless, if you get a gremlin wet, what happens? They multiply, they multiply. And what is the number one rule if you happen to have a gremlin? Like, what is the number one thing that you cannot do? It's even if they beg. You cannot, under any circumstances, feed them after midnight. You can't feed them after midnight because if you do, they will turn into the scariest things and they will terrorize your life. Again, even though they appear to be cute and harmless, they can multiply and they can cause so much trouble. Kind of funny, a few weeks back I had a dad come up to me and he said, the week on gremlins, is that a message on parenting? And I was like, kind of, sort of. No, but really, the truth is, gremlins is just a movie, but when it comes to us and when it comes to our lives, just like gremlins, there are so many different things in our real lives that appear to be harmless and cute and innocent that can cause so much damage as well. And to find out more about what I'm talking about, at this time I want to have us open up our Bibles to the book of James chapter 1. Across our campuses, network churches, want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to James chapter 1. Just a fun fact about James, he happens to be the brother of a guy you've maybe heard of, the brother of Jesus, okay? He is like bros, like actual biological bros with Jesus, okay? So he might know a, a thing or two about, about things. And, and starting in James chapter 1, starting in verse 13, James is talking about temptation and sin. And here is what James tells us. He says, remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Verse 16, so do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and whatever is perfect is coming down. It's a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. Okay, so again, these are our verses. And James is warning us and he's talking about temptation and sin. He's warning us about some things in life that may appear to be cute and harmless that can cause some trouble. And in these verses, we see this progression from temptation to sin to death. James just lays it out really clear for us from temptation to sin to death. Lastly, to death. Now, often starting out, when we think about temptation, Usually we think about something external in our lives, right? Temptation is something external. If we're married, temptation is the cute guy, it's the cute girl in our lives. Temptation at work is the random opportunity that we just so happen to see, to lie, and, and get ahead. It's the friend. Temptation is the friend that always comes to us and loves to gossip. They, they come to us and they love to gossip, and it's temptation that comes to us. And because they're, they're gossiping, we start gossiping as well. Again, usually... When we think about temptation, we think about something external. And honestly, as humans, we love to blame. And so this works out really, really nice for us because we can always blame something or someone else that's causing us to be tempted. But our verses, they say something different. In our verses, they just tell us that temptation, it comes from our own desires. 
Temptation, it comes from our own craving. Temptation, it's not external, it's actually internal. Temptation, it starts inside of us. Temptation, it comes from within. And to be clear, our desires are not inherently bad or wrong on their own. I mean, our desires can be good. Our desires can come from God himself. But away from God, away from God, our desires are broken. Away from God on their own, they can't be trusted. And left unchecked, our desires, what do they want? Instant gratification. They want to act on exactly what they feel at any given moment. I mean, if we're angry, we want to be angry, right? Like if we're angry, as an example, about a Vikings kicker who happens to miss three field goals (laughs) in one game. Uh, actually, not a joke. Last week, a guy, if you don't know football, a guy, a Minnesota Viking, missed three field goals for some unknown reason. I immediately, after he missed his last one, went to his Instagram. He had a couple hundred comments. Within minutes of refreshing, he had a couple thousand comments of people wanting him to die, of people wanting him to get cancer, of people wanting him to go to a bad place that we can't say in church. Like, this is crazy. Again, though, when it comes to our desires, so often without God, we act on exactly what we feel. And so if we feel unnoticed, we want to talk about someone right now. Because for some crazy reason, when we talk badly about someone else, it makes us feel good right now. And so we don't want to, it's like, man, I, I don't feel good about myself. I, I don't feel noticed. And so I want, to, I want to talk about someone right now. And if we want sex, we want sex right now. And if our spouse doesn't want to, if our spouse doesn't feel like it, what do we do? We join the 28,000 other other people who look at pornography every single second. It's crazy, right? I mean, as human beings, we like to think that we are so advanced and enlightened, but we are not. And we live in a day and age where the loud message that is shouting is, listen to your heart. The loud message that is shouting is listen to yourself, listen to what you want. The message that is shouting is listen to your truth, whatever that is. It's like listen to yourself. You feel it. You should go after it. You are entitled as a human being to do exactly what you want to do. And yet from these verses, the first truth I want us to hear today is don't trust your desires. Right from the Bible, don't trust your desires. Like stop for the love of God, listening to your heart. Stop listening to yourself. Stop listening to your truth and what is right for you and your feelings in our verses. It's just saying, it's just saying, don't, don't do it. And listen to this. Even further in our verses, we're told that our desires, that they entice and drag us away. They entice and drag us away. And this word entice here gives us a powerful picture you see, this word entice is, is a hunting term that means to lead, it means lead into a trap. It's a hunting term that lead into a trap. And, and with this, back in high school, my brother and I, we went duck hunting like every single day, like every day of the week. And so at that time, it's still the time that you had your shotgun in your vehicles out in the school parking lot, which is outrageous now, but that's what we do. So after school, we'd get in our vehicle, we'd swing by, grab our black lab, and we would go hunting. We'd go road hunting. But on the weekends, though, we'd get up early. My brother Luke and I, we'd get up early, and we'd set out the decoys. And as the ducks flew in and they saw these decoys, they thought it was totally harmless. And they thought they were going to go meet a new BFF or something. And as I'm sharing this story, I feel like a person without a soul. But the truth is, for these ducks, it was all a trap. 
We were enticing. We were dragging them. And it was, it was actually all a, all a setup. And when it comes to our verses, this is what they're saying. They're saying our desires. They're, they're saying temptation, it comes from within us. But don't, don't, don't trust your desires. Don't listen to your desires because they're enticing and dragging you away. I mean, you might want something and you might even think you're entitled to something. And whatever it is might look cute and harmless and totally innocent. And you might even think that you are in control. But the truth is, it is dragging you in. You might think you're in control and it might feel good. But it's, you're actually not in control because it is dragging you away. It is a trap. So today, I just want to start by asking all of us across our campuses, myself included, do you listen to your desires? Just a simple question. Do you listen to your desires? Do we, do we listen to our desires? Do we listen to our heart, like away from God and asking God what his thoughts are about our desires? Do we just listen to ourselves? Do you listen to your desires? And as I'm asking this, I feel so out of tune with culture, and I feel so irrelevant, and I feel like I'm 150 years old. But one more time, we're told, don't listen to your desires. Stop trusting your heart. And so that's temptation. And to be clear, being tempted in itself is not a sin. Like having a random thought where you're like, where did that come from? I have random thoughts where it's like, oh my goodness. And even feeling something isn't inherently wrong. Instead, get this, sin is when we give in. Again, just having a random thought or just a random feeling and not acting on it, sin is when we give in. It's different. Sin is when we give in. To quote our verses, sin is when we allow our desires to give birth. Sin is when we say, God, I know what you want and I know what is best for me and I know what I should do, but I'm actually an adult God and so I'm going to do this because this is exactly what I want to do. I, I know what you think, but I am going this way. And throughout the rest of this book of James, it just talks about all the different kinds of sin. Everything from anger and pride, gossip and envy, listening to God but not actually doing it. James says that's a sin, selfish ambition and quarrels. At one point it just says all moral filth. I cannot encourage you, if you've never read the book of James later today, sometime this week, go and read the entire book of James. I sat down yesterday, read it start to finish. It is powerful. It's so good. But once again, sin is when we give in. And honestly, even before the act of actually doing something, sin is really the moment that we intend and we plan on doing something. Even before actually doing it, it's the moment that internally we decide that is exactly what I'm going to do. It's the moment that we start looking for someone, a friend, a coworker, to start gossiping with. We haven't even started gossiping, but we know in our heart, it's like, I just need to tell someone this juicy news with somebody. Like, I need to find a friend or a coworker to share it with. Sin is the moment that we decide to cut corners at work. It's like, I'm going to start looking for an opportunity to do this one thing. It, it's the moment we start lying about things, about money, about this and that, drinking, whatever it is. It's the moment that we open up our computers and we know no one is going to come home, no one is watching, and we just start searching. We haven't even gotten to the porn yet, but we're just looking for it. Like in our heart, we just know it's the moment we flirt with someone, the moment we just happen to brush up against someone. It's the moment that we start texting someone that we are not married to. I mean, it's one thing to text someone with no ulterior motive, and it's another thing to text someone with a very clear motive. Pastor, what's the difference? Don't kid yourself. What's the difference between that, Pastor? I'm a grown adult, and yet I don't know the difference. Stop kidding yourself. 
You know the difference. We know the difference. I, I know the difference. And get this, with sin, in the first step, it almost always starts out with something small. As we said, it all, at first it just seems so innocent and, and harmless and this isn't that big of a deal. And also at first, it almost always feels good as well. At first, it feels so good to cut corners at work. I mean, you're finally getting ahead, and you're actually proud that you figured out a way to weasel your thing through here without your supervisor noticing it. At first, it feels so good to talk badly about someone else, doesn't it? It just feels so good. It's like, man, I just get this high whenever I talk badly about someone else. At first, it feels so good to finally get noticed by someone, unlike your spouse that really only notices when you screw up, unlike your spouse that only wants to notice when they can complain. At first, it just feels so good. But once again, if you haven't heard, it's all a trap. The whole thing's a trap. It might feel good. It might seem harmless. It might feel like we're in complete control. But it's actually dragging us away. And where it leads to is death. Sin leads to death. And so just to ask all of us another question, it's fairly heavy. I just want to ask, what are you doing right now that you know is sin but it just hasn't killed you yet. Again, across our campuses, what are we doing right now that we know isn't right, we know isn't good, we know it doesn't lead to a great place? What are we doing right now that we know is wrong, but it just hasn't killed us yet? It just hasn't led to death yet. We might still be in the fun phase where it's like, this is kind of an adventure. You know, it's kind of a game. Like, I used to hate my job. Now it's kind of fun because I'm looking for this thing. And, and my life used to be so, like, dull before I met her. And now it's like, man, I can't remember the last time I felt that with my spouse. Again, what is in our lives? It just hasn't, this hasn't killed us yet. And I'll just say it for all of us. That seems really intense, doesn't it? Like, wow, like that's kind of intense. But again, in our our verses, there's this progression from temptation to sin to death. Temptation to sin to death. And as our verses say, when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And to be clear, it's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about a spiritual death. Like the death of our soul. Like internally, it's the opposite of life. And when I think about a full life, the full life that's found in Jesus, it's a life filled with joy and purpose and love and hope and healthy relationships. And so when we say that sin leads to death, sin, these, sin it kills these things inside of us. Like sin, it kills the joy in, inside of us. Sin, it kills the purpose inside of us. Sin, it kills the love, the love that we have for ourselves, the love that we have for others, it kills it. The hope that we have inside, it kills it. Our relationships, sometimes even the best relationships, sin, it kills relationships. And so this might sound intense at first, and yet the truth is sin, it seems harmless, but it is deadly. Sin just seems so harmless and cute, and this is totally innocent, but sin, it is deadly. Like gossip, it it seems so innocent, and the person's never going to find out that we're talking badly about him, but the truth is, because of gossip, we become this jaded, bitter cynic 
Gossip, it kills us. Gossip, it seems so fun at work, but actually it ends up, what it does is it kills us and we end up becoming the person that we hate. Sin and gossip, it ends up destroying our relationships and addiction. It just started with a drink here and there. And I don't know if you know about my week, but I deserve a drink here or there. Like I deserve it when I come home just to take the edge off of things, but we never knew that this, this one thing would end up destroying our lives and lying. We never thought we'd ever lose our job until the day that we lost our job in porn. It didn't seem like a big deal. But, but after some time, we just feel dirty and we feel gross and we feel totally unworthy of God's love. And it's like our soul from the inside out is decaying and dying and flirting. We never saw it coming. Ever. You know, it's just fun. I'm just kind of a flirtatious personality. We never saw it coming until it led to an affair that killed our marriage. And now 30 years later... Three decades later, we're still covered in shame and regret. And second, you know, man, gosh, if I, if I just would have, if I just would have one more time, sin, it looks harmless. But it's, it's deadly. Okay, so this was an upbeat day to come to church. It was like, it feels like somebody's party died. Our, our pet's heads are falling off. You know? so, but uh, to, to wrap things up today... I just want to go back to the movie Gremlins. Again, if you get a gremlin wet, what happens? They multiply. To eat after midnight, they turn into these horrible creatures. But do you know how to kill a gremlin? You expose it to light. That's why the dad tells the son to shut the lights off before he opens the gift. You expose it to light, it kills him. In light of that, I just want to read our verses, part of our verses one more time. Here's what James says. James says, don't be misled. I almost hear him saying, don't be misled by your desires. Don't be misled by your drinking buddies. Don't be misled by your shopping girlfriends. Don't be misled by Facebook and, and what you hear there or whatever. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is coming down to us from God our Father who created what? All the lights in heaven. All the lights in heaven. And so like gremlins, how do we kill and overcome sin? We expose it to light. We ex expose it to God, the one who created all the lights in heaven. We expose it to a trusted friend. We just bring it out of hiding. We bring it out of shame. We bring it out of this dark place that it's in, and we just expose it to light. You see, in the light, there's freedom. In the light, there's no more shame. In the light, there's victory. In the light, there's strength. In the light, there's peace and joy and everything else that we're searching for. Today, across our campuses, I got to believe that there's a whole bunch of us here who have some things that need to be exposed to light. Maybe right now we're just in the temptation phase and we haven't even done anything, but this, this temptation in our life just seems stronger and louder than ever. It's like, gosh, I thought I was done with that. Like, when did this, like, show up? It was something I've never struggled with in my life. And all of a sudden, this temptation, like, I just got to be honest, it's just kind of just yelling at me. Or maybe we're here and we've already bit on the line and we're in the fun season, the adventure season with our sin. It just feels fun and it feels so free and it feels so good, but we don't know. We actually have no control. Instead, it's dragging us in. Or maybe we're here today, one of the network churches, and we're in the death part, the death it's like, I know exactly, you don't have to explain death, Pastor, because I know exactly what you're talking about. I've never been to church a day in my life, but I know what death feels like. 
I know what I don't know what it, I don't know, I know what it feels like for my soul to die from the inside out. Like I know that. Maybe that's where we are. Regardless of where we are today, I just want to challenge us with two things. First off, expose it to light when it comes to God. Expose it to Him today. Just even right now, like. God, I'm giving you this specific thing. I'm giving you this specific thing. I found the more specific you are, the more freedom it is. Instead of continuing to lie, it's like, God, I've hurt some people. No, I've hurt this person. God, I'm struggling with some things. No, I'm struggling with this exact thing, God. Like, I want freedom. I want victory. I want hope and no more shame. So I'm getting specific with you, Father. Again, I pray that we just expose it to God. Just right now, whatever it is, just eternally, God, I just acknowledge this to you. And then one step further, this is going to be hard and heavy. I want to challenge us to expose it to one other person in our lives. Whether it's a temptation, whether we've started biting, whether it's death, I just want to challenge us to expose it to one other person before the end of today, end of tomorrow at the longest. Find someone, call a friend from, from high school, call whoever it is that you know Jesus, and just say, I just, I just got to confess this thing. I haven't even done anything yet, but I'm just struggling with temptation, and I don't want to struggle with temptation because I know even though it seems cute and harmless like gizmo, it leads to death. Maybe it's a pastor, one of the camp's pastors at the network church. Maybe it's your pastor after the service is saying, hey, pastor, I just need to share something. I just need to c- confess something to you. Again, like these gremlins, you get water on them, they multiply, you feed them, they turn into monsters. But thankfully, like, like gremlins, you just bring, expose it to, to light and it just kills it. That's my hope for all of us today. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we're thankful for you. We're so thankful for you. And whether we realize it or not, we're desperate for you. God, I pray for all of us today that you just turn the light on within us. I pray that today you turn the light on in our, in our area of, of sin. Just flip the light on in the area of temptation. Just flip the light on in the things that we're starting to compromise, that we've tried to fit it with ourselves. Like we've tried to even slide this compromise, not past our boss or even our spouse. We've tried to slide it past our own conscience. Lord, I pray that you would highlight it. I pray that even if we don't ask you to shine a light, that you just take out a big old spotlight on it right now. Even if we're here and we're like, no, I'm not going to mention that. I pray today, tomorrow, you would shine a spotlight on it so bright. It'd be like, okay, finally I give up, God. Lord, we're grateful that your ways are so much better. Your ways are perfect and good. You're, You're the one who created all the lights in heaven. We're thankful that when we approach us, you remove our, when we approach you and you approach us, we you remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. Lord, would you give us the courage, the strength to expose what we're going through with one other person today. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.